Amen, amen. Well, good morning. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Good morning again. Thank you for being a part of our service, Psalm 91 Sunday. And uh, a couple of thoughts as we begin this morning, and uh, uh, more things will be announced later. But I was thinking about a couple of things and and uh, actually thinking about a lot of things this morning. And some of you may not fully understand why we do what we call Psalm 91 Sunday. Others of you are more aware of it than others. And, and um, I have a picture I want to put up. If you'd go ahead and, and, and put that on the screen. And my, my question is, as soon as it gets up there, the next one, there we go. Uh, my question is, what would you say if you found yourself sliding against a wall like this at about 60 miles an hour, 55 or 60 miles an hour? Um, what would you find yourself saying? What do you think you might say? Um, the, some of the passion behind what we celebrate this morning, what we do this morning called Psalm, 90, Psalm 91 Sunday has a lot to do with what happened on I-35 heading into Duluth uh, on a motorcycle uh, a few years ago. And I had the experience of sliding against a wall like that. Uh, I called it my dermabrasion. Uh, and uh, so, so I had that opportunity. And, and, I, I, and so I want to talk a little bit about uh, not so much that, but what would you say if you found yourself sliding against a wall like that at 50, 60 miles an hour? And, um, I, you know, the good news is that uh, I learned some things. And the good news is I walked away from that. I literally walked away from that. I was going about 60 miles an hour, and I hit that Jersey barrier and, and just slid along it. And uh, I have a nice scar now. It's a pretty awesome scar. And uh, I, I, had, uh, I had leather chaps on, and I had gloves, leather gloves on. And as I was sliding against that barrier, I remember pushing, trying to push off a couple of times. I did that once, and, and then I ended up on I-35. Uh, I had been traveling in the left lane. I hit that, and it was about noon, a beautiful sunny day, a lot of traffic. Whew. And so and I, I remember I hit that barrier, slid along it, and then I remember falling off the bike and uh, spinning. And as I was spinning, I saw the motorcycle continue across the three lanes of traffic, and then it hit the guardrail on the other side kind of flipped up. And then as I was spinning, I saw that. And as I was spinning, I saw a bunch of cars, you know, kind of coming towards me. And then I spun again. And then I got up. And, and, and I, I remember the next day, that was on a Friday. Saturday, I thought, boy, I was really out of it yesterday. Because I don't really, I remember being really, really foggy. And then Sunday, I preached. And Sunday uh, in the afternoon, I was like, man, I must have really been out of it yesterday. And then Monday, I was like, boy, I was really out of it yesterday. And it took about four days before my, the fog really began to lift. And so my question goes back to this. What would you say if you found yourself sliding against a barrier like that? Because what you would say in a moment like that reveals a lot about what's on the inside of you. And, and so I want to talk about that a little bit. But before I get there, you know, a, a lot of times when we talk about events that happen, I was thinking of, you know, the Paris attacks, San Bernardino, school shootings, all of these different things that happen. Our tendency a lot of times is to ask one of two questions, God, why did you let that happen? Or God, why, why weren't you there to stop that? They kind of revolve around that. But let me ask you a question. This is totally different from the what would you say. This maybe sounds a little bit random, but let me ask you this question. Do fish know that they're wet? <laughs> what? Do fish know that they're wet? Does a polar bear, no? Does a polar bear know that it's cold out? There, there's a, there, there are blind fish that live in caves. Do they know that they can't see? 
there's a law that's called the law of habituation or the law of, of uh, uh, familiarization where you get used to your surroundings. And because you're so used to your surroundings, you don't realize that. And in that law of habituation and in, in that thought of, of, of that we get used to our surroundings, I think that that's where humanity is. That, that we, we, we are so accustomed and so used to our, our, our surroundings, we have adjusted so much that we don't think that life here is, is odd or strange. If you and I were going to be living, well, not living with, but around a polar bear, and we were going to follow them around for a day, and so we were going you know, we to do what they did, we were going to jump in the water when they jumped in the water, how many of you know that would be extremely uncomfortable? It would be, because obviously it would be, right? And so in, in this idea, I think that as human beings, we have no idea how bad life here on planet Earth actually is when compared to what God had in store for us. When we stop and think, Everything that God created, when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, we believe here, we believe that, that, you know, we believe in the biblical account of creation, we believe that God spoke it into being, that God created the, the sun and the moon, the stars, the earth, he created everything that's in it. And when we consider how God, cre- this good, loving God, how he created everything, say this with me, God is a good God. He is, I mean, he is, he, he's a good God. He's not bad. He's not kind of, you know, ticked off some days. And There's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God that, you know, God was kind of mean and crabby in the Old Testament, but then Jesus talked him into being a kind of a nicer guy in the New Testament. There's, there's one God, and he, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he reflects the Father, which should indicate to us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this good God, he created the heavens, he created the earth, he created everything in it. And if you read the account in the book of Genesis, this good God created the trees and the garden. But it, uh, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a nuance, but it reveals to me a lot about God. It says that he created trees that were pleasant to look at and trees that were good for food. God created the beauty of this planet for us to enjoy. And he created trees that were like good to eat, not to treat it so much. I'm not Ewell Gibbons fan, but you remember the old commercial Ewell Gibbons? Remember Ewell? Most people don't know that a pine tree is edible. That's right. He died right after that, shortly after that. But anyway, <clears throat> no, he didn't. He probably wished he would have. Anyway, I'd much rather have a, you know, I'd rather, much rather have a piece of pie and ice cream than a, than a pine tree. But anyway, I, I, or, or a wild rice brat. But anyway, um, but this God who created the heavens, he created the earth, he created everything for humanity to enjoy. And his plan was that he would always be with God or with man. His, his, his goal was, I want to be with them and be among them. I, I want to be around them because I love them. That's who God was. And if you know the story, God, uh, you know, he created the heavens and the earth. And then shortly after that, Adam, Adam sinned, Eve sinned. And they took, the, of everything that was there, there was one tree said, I don't want you to eat anything from this tree, everything else is yours to enjoy, human nature being what it was, probably never even noticed that tree, but as soon as, the, as, soon as God said don't, as soon as God said no, it became the thing that they wanted to do. I mean, if you remember as kids, you never thought of something until somebody said don't do it. Don't put that fork in the outlet. Well, I never had that idea before. Don't put beans in your ears, never thought of it. You know, I mean, take, after about 15 minutes, my mom got it back out. But anyway, never thought about it before. And so human nature being it, what it was, they, 
they, they partook of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They sinned, and the Bible says that they died, or they were separated from God. That's what spiritual death is. It's spiritual, spiritual death is separation from God. And if you remember the story, it was the blame game. Remember, God, and this, is, this reveals a lot about the character of God. God... <laughs> God came looking for Adam and Eve. And, and, and again, like I like to say, he, he, he's like, Adam, Eve, where are you guys? God, God, you know, this wasn't a game of hide and seek. God knew exactly where they were, but they, God wanted them to understand where they were. And so, but what I like about this is that God came looking for humanity. See, we think God is this angry, mean God, but God... I mean, as soon as humanity fell, as soon as they stumbled in the garden, as soon as they were separated, God came looking for them. And finally, the confrontation, you know, Adam, what is this thing that you've done? And Adam, you know, well, it's the woman that you gave me. Threw Eve under the bus. (laughs) Has to be, yeah. God, if it wouldn't have been for her, and then he looked at Eve, Eve, what is this thing that you've done? Well, the serpent beguiled me, and that passing the buck, that blame game, <clears throat> it's followed us for forever. It's followed us. We, we want to blame, and, and, and if we're not careful, blaming in the garden, it's the woman that you gave me, it was the serpent that beguiled me. Blame, that, that blame game in the, in the garden eventually became, well, God, why didn't you heal me? God, why didn't you save them? God, why didn't you protect them? God, why didn't you do something about that? And, and our focus instead has become, we want to blame God for stuff. And yet when we understand who God is and the power and, and the love that, that he has, and it's hard for us to, to grasp some things sometimes. So I go back to that question, what would you say? What would you say if you found yourself sliding against a wall like that? Because what you find yourself saying is is really important. Listen to this scripture in the book of Deuteronomy. And and this is a part of what was known as or is known as the curse of the law. God said, if you do all of these things that I ask you to do, then all of these blessings will happen. But if you refuse and rebel, then these are the things that will happen as a result of your uh, uh, disobedience. In verse 65 of the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, it says, among all of those nations, you will find no rest. Nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place, but the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Now, it sounds like God is causing this to happen. Actually, this is just the result of of us going the opposite way of what God wants us to go. This is the law of sowing and reaping, really, is what it is. Verse 66 is is kind of the, the payoff this morning. Your life will hang in doubt before you. You will fear day and night and have no assurance of life. This is a part of the curse of the law. In Galatians 3.13, it says that Jesus came to redeem us from the curse of the law, that, that by what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, that curse was broken so that we can have life and victory instead of the curse. We can have blessing instead of that curse. Verse 67, in the morning you will say, oh, that it were evening, and at evening you will say, oh, that it were morning, because of the fear that terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. Because of what you see, it affects your heart. And it causes you to say, when you wake up in the morning, man, I wish this day was done. When you go to bed at night, man, I'm afraid of the night. 
and your life will hang in doubt. That's a part of the curse. Listen to this in Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse one. It says, then I returned and considered all of, the, uh, all of the oppression that is done under the sun and look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors, there is power, but they have no comforter. And I think there are a lot of people who are living today that think that this is the reality of life. That there is no comforter, that there are many, many people who are oppressed, and certainly you look throughout the world, and you know, this, this past you know, 10 days or so, been a lot of news about Prince dying, you know, and, and, and regardless of your thought about music and him as a musician and whatever his life was about, it's garnered a lot of attention, and I don't mean to say anything bad about that, but do you realize that <clears throat> one person died but every day, there, there are thousands of people, six to 7,000 people every day that die. There are hundreds of children every day, every day that die simply because they don't have clean water to drink. And so, while I don't mean to, to minimize the death of one person at all. At all. But... Death is something that happens to everybody. And, and, and if we, when we focus on that, when we focus on the oppressions that are done under the sun, when we focus on all of those things, it looks like the oppressor is the one with power. But can I tell you this morning that that's not God's original plan. That isn't what God started out with. God created this earth and he placed his creation into this earth, but then Adam stumbled, he fell, and sin entered in. And when sin entered in, it separated humanity from God. And as a result of that, we, we did a series, sermon series uh, a couple of years ago that we called the domino effect. And, and as soon as sin happened, it set, into, uh, it set in motion a chain of reactions that caused humanity to, 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 to suffer now in a way that God never intended. For things to happen on planet Earth that God never intended to happen. And I got good news for you this morning. The good news is that Jesus is going to come back soon. And he's going to restore everything. He's going to return everything. But in that moment, Jesus, until that moment, Jesus said that, that in this life, you will have tribulation. Look at the person next to you and say, every once in a while, you're going to suffer some tough things. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. There is somebody that we can turn to and there is a power that's available to us when we enter, when we enter those difficult places in our lives. So the question again, when I was and, and this... I feel like there's got to be a better answer when difficult things happen, when, tra when tragedies happen. I feel that there's got to be a better answer than it must have been their time. Because I don't want to be on an airplane when it happens to be the pilot's time. And it's not my time. Amen? So to me, there's got to be a better answer than it was just their time or, you know, well, you know, Pastor Brian, you're a good guy. You're a pastor. You, you've got an in with the big guy upstairs because you're a pastor. I didn't walk away from that because I'm a pastor because I have an in that's different than your in. Because we all get in the same way. It is by grace that you're saved through faith. And so there's got to be a better answer. And I, I don't have a great answer for you this morning. I don't know why bad things happen to good people, but I, I do know a couple of things. Bad things don't happen to good people because they're not good people. 
I've had people say, well, you know, I mean, I can understand that, that you know, God would do some things to those people because they're, they haven't been very nice. But, but what about me? I've done this and I've done that and I've done all these other things. Well, if you're trusting in your works, you're trusting in the wrong thing. Because your works will always leave you short. You cannot do enough good stuff to merit the favor and blessing of God. The favor and blessing of God comes to you because of what Jesus did and it's received by faith because of the grace of God that has been poured out toward you this morning and in your life. And so, when I hit that barrier, there's a whole lot of things that went into that. I'm gonna take the blame because there were hundreds and hundreds of vehicles that went around that bend uh, at that moment and I was the only one that I'm aware of that didn't make it around that corner. And so, as I hit that wall... I remember distinctly a couple of things. I remember the sound and the smell, which might sound a little bit weird, but it was the sound of plastic and metal grinding against that concrete and then the smell of it kind of melting, just a nasty smell. And I, I, I believe that the very first thing, I, and it wasn't really a word, but the very first thing I said was like that because it was pow, it just hit. But right after that, I started saying what I want to share with you this morning. I said, Heavenly Father, I thank you that the angels of God are around about me. I thank you that they're camped around about me, and I thank you that you said that I would not dash my foot against a stone. I believe, Father, that I will live and I will not die, and I'm pretty sure then I said, not my face, not my teeth, not my face, not my teeth, not my face, not my teeth. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Now, it didn't happen. That didn't happen because I'm a pastor, because I'm a good guy, because I'm not that good of a guy and I'm not that good of a pastor for God to say. And, and, you know, well, you know, you must have had something else for God to do. We all have something else that God wants us to do. That's why we're all busy. Amen. Let me read this to you. Book of Psalms, chapter 91. <clears throat> this, this psalm really formed the basis of my prayer that day. But I didn't pray that that day because of anything other than we'd learned to do this. Shell and I had learned to do this. 35 years ago. I remember a preacher talking about the psalm of protection and and went into a lot of things. And I've preached along this line for years. And every time we go somewhere, if we travel, if we're going on a plane, taking a longer trip, we always, Heavenly Father, I thank you that the angels of God are encamped around about us. I thank you that they're watching over us. I thank you, Father, no evil will befall us. No plague will come near our dwelling. We pray that over our kids. We pray that over our house. We pray that over this church. We pray that. And it's not just, you know, it's not just a a perfunctory prayer that we just pray. We we mean it. And so let me just work through this. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Can I tell you this morning, there is no safer place than this right here. There's no safer place than God covering you. Dwelling under his shadow is a closeness, that his shadow is, he he is over you and he is protecting you. He said, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. Here's what God wants us to say about these difficult things. He says, I will say of the Lord God, you're my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. My refuge, God, you're my refuge and you're my fortress. It's not my strength. It's not my vehicle. It's not my government. It's not my country. Love all those things. But God, you're my strength. 
It's not a Republican. It's not a Democrat. It's not a this. It's not a that. God, you're my strength. God, you're my shelter. If we lose sight of that church, man, we are going to live fearfully. And God does not want us to live fearfully. In the midst of what we're going to read, God being our shelter and our source is enough. Let me say that again because that was actually really good. In the midst of anything that can happen in life, God being our refuge and our fortress and our strength, that is enough. Don't lose sight of that. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my God in him I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. And I think that the psalmist was, was, was recounting something that he'd seen many, many times because it, it was commonly known that, that, that whenever a bird, uh, a mother bird has its, its, its chicks, its babies there, if there's any kind of threat from the sky or from above, they rise up and they try to get bigger than they are and they cover over their little ones. And that's the picture that, that I think the psalmist, he'd seen that happen. And he's like, man, God, you're just like that. God, you are just like that. When there's trouble from above or from behind or around, you just get big and you just cover over me. That's who my God is. He says in verse nine, because you have made the Lord, I'm sorry, verse five, you will not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Now, notice what he said. You will not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Notice what God didn't say. God didn't say that you would never have the opportunity to be afraid when there's darkness around you. He didn't say that there would never be arrows flying against you. What he did say, though, is that when those things arise, you don't need to be afraid. And there's a big difference. I think that a lot of Christians are like, oh God, why did this happen? You want to know why some of those things happen? Because you live on planet Earth. And this planet does not function the way that God intended or planned it to function. There are a lot of things that go on that God did not plan on or intend to have happen. The Bible alerts us and tells us that Satan is the God of this world. And that's hard sometimes for some people to, 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 to get their hands around. So again, he says, don't be afraid. You will not be afraid of those things, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. And, and, and in fact, it can look so bad. I love verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And if you've been around here very long, you've heard me say this, but this was an aha moment for me. I, I'm visual. I'm a visual learner. I'm, I, I don't think in words. I think in pictures. And, and, and I remember reading this. A thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. And I learned something that God's idea of near and far are way different than my idea of near and far. Because in my head, I pictured a thousand people at my side and then there's me and then there's 10,000 on my right hand and the thousand on this side, whack. And the 10,000 here, Whack. And I'm left standing all alone. I'm like, God, that is close. But God said, that was a million miles away from happening. Whoo! Hallelujah. A thousand will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Notice those first couple of words, because you did something. Because you did something. 
because you did something. This isn't, see, there's so many things that we, well, God, you know, if God wants it to happen, it'll just happen. No, it won't. There are some things you, in regards to his will that you will not stop. Jesus is going to come back. doesn't matter if you believe it or not. Jesus is going to come back. But there are other promises that are reciprocal promises that you have to take the first. Actually, God takes the first step, and then we respond. That's what faith is. We take the next step. It's kind of like a chess match because you take a step. God takes a step, then you take a step. God takes a step, then you take a step. God takes a step, you stop. God stops. And so again, he says, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil will befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall, tramp, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. Uh, you shall trample underfoot. And, and, and in that phrase, again, I want you to see something, that God isn't saying that these things would never happen to you. God is not saying that you would never have an opportunity for these things to come against you or to be around you. But he said, when they do, then you will have power if, if you do something. If you will make the Lord your God, your habitation, if you will trust in him. When you do those things, and you're an active participant of what God has said, then that protection and that safety becomes yours. And, and he says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and serpent, you shall trample underfoot. And I, I'm not a huge Indiana Jones fan, but I remember this story. I remember seeing this, in the, if you remember this, I think it was in the very first one where he's, a, he's afraid of snakes, can't stand snakes. And he looks down into that whatever it was and there's nothing. he drops a torch down there and there's nothing but snakes down there just all crawling around. So then he lowers himself down on, and he's got a torch. And he keeps that torch going and then he can move forward every time that, you know, he just, and then the torch starts to go out and he gets another torch. And then, but, you know, the Bible says that God's word is like a light. And, and I began to see it. Again, God didn't say that you wouldn't have that opportunity, but as long as you keep the light, as long as you keep the light of God's word, and as long as you keep advancing, that's what it says in the book of Luke, uh, that behold, Jesus said, I've given you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said that. How many believe what Jesus said? Behold, I give you power the authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. He didn't say that you would never encounter a serpent or a scorpion, which is a type of the devil in his works. He didn't say you wouldn't encounter those things. He said that when you encounter them, I've given you the authority to advance. Now use the authority. You have authority. And, and just think about a police officer. Uh, would you mind you know, stopping? If there's not too much bother. Or going to the mayor, oh, I don't understand. They won't stop for me. Turn your light on. Stop. I mean, you know, I mean, generally speaking, when a police officer yells at you to stop, we're, we're going to stop. If you see little lights flashing behind you, first you look around and say, boy, I hope that's, oh, shoot, it's me. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> and you pull over, right? Because you recognize their authority. And God says, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. But you have to be aware of the authority that you have. Verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. 
This is what God is saying. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Do you realize that, that Ben, just doing a study on the names of God, Pastor John's done that a couple of times, the names of God. His names reveal, well, you mean God's got more than one name? Well, you know, in the Old Testament, he's called Jehovah Jireh, God, Jehovah, our provider. He is called Jehovah Shalom, God, our peace. Those are the names of God that reveal and display his character. And notice again, he says, because he set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him. I love this. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is God's response to the person who actively engages in the things that he has promised and he has said, I have no reason to be afraid. And so when those events began to unfold and I began to slide against the wall, the very first thing out of my mouth. Jesus said, out of, the abundance of your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so what is it that comes out of your mouth in those pressure moments of life? Because many times what comes out of your mouth in those moments reveals what's really in the depth of your heart. And, and it's kind of difficult for me to say this because I'm not trying to say, hey, you know, I'm so spiritual and I'm so this. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that I learned something 35 years ago that I continue to this day. And there's tremendous power when we take the things that God has said in his word, put it in our heart, and begin to speak it with our mouth. Do you realize that that principle changes your life? Paul the apostle said, if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we will be saved. That action of you believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth causes your eternal destiny to be changed. That's the power of God's word in our life when we will believe it and speak it out. And so for years and years and years, we have put Psalm 91 into our hearts. And we pray it often. I say pray, uh, you know, the way I pray most, most of the time when I pray, I am saying what God said. I'm praying God's word back to him. God, this is what you promised. God, this is what you said. God, this is what, what I think you said about this particular situation that I'm facing right now. And so we have these available. These are, there's a really in the form of a bookmark. On one side, it's Psalm 91 in the New International Version, I think. Nope, I'm sorry, the Contemporary English Version. And then on the other side, uh, it is the prayer. And uh, we eventually will probably get a bigger one for some of us that are aging uh, because <laughs> I'd pray this, but I can't even read it, you know. <laughs> no. Um, if we get into magnifying glass, we need something. But here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand, and this is how we're going to close. I have one more scripture that I want to, want to read to you. Psalm chapter 46 says this. God is our refuge and our strength. This is who God is. He is our refuge. He is our strength. <clears throat> Therefore, I will, I'm sorry. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, a very present help in trouble. That phrase, very, hasn't, very present help, is, is, is indicative of part of the character of God and his power. We ascribe something to God called omnipresence. Omnipresence means he is present everywhere all the time. That no matter where you are, there can be no place that, has, that doesn't have God's presence. 
So the moment, actually, before you ever found yourself in difficulty or in trouble, God was there. The moment you didn't know what to do, God was there. The moment that you were afraid, God was there. The moment that you were in pain and and, and misery, God himself was there. It is the picture that we see in in in, in the garden. That while Adam and Eve were trying to hide from God, God was there. It makes no sense to try to hide from God because God always knows where you are. It makes as much sense in the garden for Adam and Eve to hide from God as it does for you and I to try to avoid God by not going to church. People think they will just, oh, I'm just going to hide. No, you can't hide from God. God is our ever-present source in our time. He's always present. He is ever present. He is always there. Therefore, because God is always where we are, therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, even though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, God is there. And I don't know what the pain, I don't know what the loss, I don't know what the fear might be in your life, but I want you to know this morning, God's here. God is here. And he cares so much. He is so aware of what you're going through. He wants you to know that. And so I'm going to ask you, this is, we do our biker blessing and, and, and it's bigger than that. And there's a lot of emphasis on that, partly because of my story, partly just because of, of how it's organized. And, and it's a great way to be able to bring visibility to things that God does, as well as be for us as a church to be a blessing to other organizations. And it's just a fun thing. But, but I know this, summertime is a busy time. People are vacationing. People are, I don't know, people are everywhere. And it's okay. Enjoy it. Have fun. But when you're enjoying it and having fun, don't forget that God is an ever-present source. I was talking with Tony Cook, our speaker from last weekend, and he was, I was telling him about what today was, and he, he said, you know, it's kind of funny that you should say that. I was supposed to speak for, or actually I was scheduled to preach for a pastor, and um, as a uh, as, as it happened, they were at some meetings together, and then he took off early and was on a jet ski, and he hit a big wave or a wake. He doesn't know exactly what happened, but his chest hit the, hit the, uh, the steering, uh, not the steering wheel, but the handlebars, hit that. He flipped over it. He was knocked unconscious. He had a life preserver on. A boater saw, uh, found him floating in the water, and his lungs were full of water. He gave him mouth-to-mouth. He, he survived, but it was a very, very dire situation. Everybody thought that, that really they were preparing for the worst, and God healed him, but, but he, said it, it, you know, he said it's surprising how quickly, and we all know that how quickly things can happen. So I want to pray this prayer over you this morning, but I would encourage you. We've got these available. Uh, are they, Pastor John, they're in the back, aren't they? They're all over the place. So if you haven't gotten one of these, get one. And uh, again, Psalm 91 on one side in this prayer that I'm going to pray, but I'll pray it in a, in, a, in a more different, a little bit different form. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just receive this morning? Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess your word, and I know that your word does not return to you void, but Father, it accomplishes what you send it to do. And Lord, I give you thanks that you will move quickly to perform your word and fulfill its promises in our lives. Lord, I rejoice in the promises that your word holds for protection and safety of the righteous. Only you, Heavenly Father, make me live in safety. I trust in you and I dwell in your protection. 
I believe if I should have any problems or face any trouble, that I will run to you, Lord, my strong tower and my shelter in times of need. I believe in your written word, and I speak peace, safety, and success over all of my travel plans in the name of Jesus. Because, Heavenly Father, I'm your child, my path of travel is preserved, and angels keep charge over me and surround my means of transportation. I will proceed with my travel plans without any fear of accidents, problems of any type, or any frustration. Father, I have your peace within me, and, and I will allow no fear place as I, as I travel. And so, Father, I thank you that you deliver me from every type of evil and you preserve me for your kingdom. I stand, Father, confident that my travel plans will, be, will not be disrupted, disrupted or confused. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that in every situation I encounter that you're there to protect me. No matter what type of transportation I choose to travel in, you've redeemed me and you will protect me. The earth and all of uh, the earth and all the things on it are under your command. You are my Heavenly Father and I am your child. Through my faith in you, Father, I have the power to tread upon serpents <clears throat> and have power over all of the enemy. I thank you, Father, that nothing will by any means harm me. And lo no matter where I go, Father God, I am protected. So, Father, I give you glory in this situation. I thank you that as I keep your ways before me, I will be secure. Your mercy is upon me, and my travel will be safe. I thank you, Father, that you uphold me with your right hand of righteousness, and you are worthy, my Lord and my God, to receive glory and power and praise. For you created all things, and by your will they are, and they were created, and they have their being. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that your angels watch over us. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that when we are in trouble, you are an ever-present source. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, would you all just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, maybe all of this is brand new to you, but there's something tugging on the inside of you. <clears throat> maybe you've never actively engaged your faith. And this morning, there's just something on the inside that it just, it seems like I just need to do something. Many times that's the Holy Spirit who is the one who reveals himself and Jesus to us. And so if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord or as your Savior, and you would like to today, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer this morning. I can ask you to do anything other than that. But if you're here today and say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want, to be, I want to be saved. If that's you, would you lift your hand up real high and let's pray that prayer together. Anyone at all this morning? Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Do not be afraid, man. This is the greatest thing you will ever do. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. All of you get with your heads bowed. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I believe in my heart that Jesus died for me. I believe that God, you raised him from the dead. And right now, I confess Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. I believe that my sin is forgiven and my future is secure in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these that have raised their hand and taken this first step with you. And Lord, we believe in the name of Jesus that that won't be just the end, but that it'll be the, the beginning of many, many, many steps of a journey with you that they will find peace and joy and meaning for their life. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everyone said.